What is up, motherfuckers? It's your boy, Matt, coming to you with another Flock NFL podcast for the fans, by the fans. With me tonight, as always, I got my boy, Joseph Massey. Let's get at it, Flockers. And then I also got Ray Stone. Hey, guys, this is Ray. Hilly won't let me do the podcast tonight because I have too much homework and I'm grounded. (laughs) I also have a cold. She's not making me coffee and being very mean. No Chinese food either, man. I'm gay for John Elway. Peace (laughs) out, flockers. Okay, and thank you, Ray, for checking in with us. We greatly appreciate you stopping by for the pod tonight. Even though you can't make the whole episode because you have some prior commitments, Massey and I are going to continue with the show this evening. Tonight, we open up our six-pack of questions going over who the Browns should hire as their head coach, whether the Ravens taking off on their bye week was a good idea or a bad idea, among other things. But let's start off with the most dominating NFL news story of the week. No, I'm not talking about the Chiefs-Rams games being played in L.A. I am talking about Le'Veon Bell. The 4 p.m. deadline passed yesterday, Tuesday, he did not report. He forfeited it in entirety $14.85 million not to play football Ooh. this year. Massey, was this a good move or a bad move? I'm going to have to go. The, this was a bad move. Like, I get it. Well, anytime you give up $14.85 million, I think it's a bad move because that's a ton of money. But you also got to remember, he gave up. I think they said over $200,000 equivalent worth of benefits and retirement pay because he doesn't get an accrued year in the NFL because of this. So, whoa, 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 whoa. But if I said, okay, Le'Veon Bell gave up $14.65 million, or Le'Veon Bell gave up $14.85 million, is that really a drop in the bucket, though, at that point when we're talking about these astronomical figures? Well, I, I understand that, but you got to remember, this is like post. Remember, Ray's not here tonight, and I wish he was because Ray is always harking on the post-retirement stuff, their medical care and everything like that. He just took a major hit on his post-retirement care and medical and insurance and all that. Like He self-willingly took a major hit on it. But see, I don't know that he did, and this is where I disagree with you. Yes, he has one less accrued season right now, but he just saved himself 400 touches in the NFL season. We see Adrian Peterson right now having a phenomenal year, and he missed a year due to suspension entirely, and he's adding on going in his career well into his mid-30s. Just because Le'Veon Bell missed this year doesn't mean he can't add it to the back end of his career and still see those same exact benefits. But again, 200 grand sounds like a lot of money, and that's because that's more than you or I make. But to mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell, that is a drop in a bucket. We're talking about 20 bucks to the man. No, I get that. But I think he stands to lose a lot more money in the long run. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of rumors going on right now. I don't really like – I'm not a really big Stephen A. fan, but he's made some good points about this. Is, and some other people have said it too, is that teams are going to look at this very poorly – next year when they go to sign. He's going to get signed. I understand that. But I don't think it's for the contract he's going to be looking for because the, as proven with Colin Kaepernick and Aaron Reed, the league doesn't. The, the owners in the league don't really like it when the players plant their feet 
and stand on something like this. So they're going to go. I think they're going to they're going to view it as negatively. And there's also reports. I believe Adam Schefter was reporting that teams don't care about him sitting out and saying, oh, he got a rest. They believe age is age and they're going to still count it as, hey, this is a year lost off of his football playing career, even though he really didn't play. And so they're going to factor that in. And there's a lot of rumors that he's not going to get the contract he's looking for because of this. Yeah, and I understand that. And people are talking about the NFL owners and colluding not to sign him to a big deal. I don't think they have to collude. Honestly, it's a bunch of conservative, rich, old white guys for the most part. I mean, every NFL owner, majority owner, except for one, is white. Praise be Shad Khan. Most of them are diehard conservatives. Most of them are pretty damn old. So they have the same mindset. But I still think that Le'Veon Bell may not make that $15 million he got back, but he will do better than the Steelers' last offer. The Steelers reportedly offered him a five-year deal worth $70 million. And, oh, my God, that's so much. But it was only $17 million guaranteed. Todd yeah. Gurley just got $45 million guaranteed. That's almost three times as much. David Johnson got $38 million guaranteed. So they were giving him very little money, and they were going to really – honestly, the way James Conner is playing, there's no way in hell Le'Veon would have seen that contract. Oh, yeah. No, they, they – uh... They definitely are – he's probably going to get more – well, he's definitely going to get more guaranteed money, in my opinion, than the, what they offered him. I just don't think he's going to get a huge contract. I think he's looking in the 10 to $12 million a year range, you know, with a good chunk of it as, uh, as guaranteed. So we'll just have to – I just I, – I think it's – I just think it's a bad move overall. I think you're going to lose money on it. Teams are going to hold it against you. And the problem is, is teams are going to hold it against them because they're going to say, hey, look – why am I – I'm not – I don't want to sign this guy long-term because if I sign this guy long-term and at year three out of five, he wants to get paid again, I know now that he's not just bluffing. This guy will actually hold out an entire year. So me, if I'm an owner, I'm not wanting to sign this guy long-term. I'm going to give him like a two, maybe three-year contract. That's it. I don't want, I don't want him long-term. And I can see that argument, and I get that, but with – the Steelers only offering him $17 million guaranteed I th- and David Johnson getting $38 million guaranteed and Todd Gurley getting $45 million guaranteed. I mean, realistically, coming into the season, I know Gurley's having a monster year, but coming into this season, would you have said Gurley and David Johnson are clear-cut better backs than Le'Veon Bell, or would you say they're about the same level? I would say they're about the same level coming into this year. I think Le'Veon but A little bit below. A little bit below, probably. Yeah, I, I think I really, had him below. I'd have power. him over David Johnson. Yeah, Honestly, oh, yeah, I would have had him over Gurley because Gurley we only both, had I, two out of three good seasons. We both had him over Gurley and Johnson in our rankings this year. Yeah, so, so I, yeah. I'm agreeing with that. But, so I think he's going to make at least $35 million guaranteed money, which is double what the Steelers were offering. Yeah, you just got to look at it like, okay, like look at the Julio situation. You know, you sign him to four years and two years down the line, you know – Ezekiel Elliott's contract comes up. Um, a couple other people who uh, – Alvin Kamara, you know, a couple of these other big guys who are coming up, these young running backs who are behind Le'Veon Bell. Are oh, that Zeke contract. contract is going to be a monster. The, exactly. the big thing so with then, him and Kamara is Zeke's a first-round pick. He's a top five exactly. pick. Kamara's exactly. a, what was he, a third-rounder, I want to say, off the yeah, top of my head? But, you know, these guys are going to com- command big contracts, though. 
So you're going to look at it. I mean, you also got Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey and stuff like that. These guys are all going to be huge contracts. And Bell in two years could – I mean, Bell can sign a contract two years later. He could be like the sixth highest paid running back, and he goes, wait, I don't like this anymore, you know? And hold out because you know he will hold out. Now, I don't know the likeliness of it. Obviously, he's going to be 32, 33 by that time. So we'll just see. Yeah, but and that's why the, I don't think he will. Yeah, just the fact that he has held out, it's going to give owners pause of giving this guy a long-term, long-term contract. That's why I think it's a dumb move. I, I think the thing that's going to give owners pause is they don't like that he showed up one of their fellow owners. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I, that he is bucking the trend of the franchise tag, which the owners love. The players do not love. I mean, yep. ask Kirk Cousins about it, but it worked out for Cousin Kirk. And his former college teammate, Le'Veon Bell, is doing the same yeah. thing. You know what to say there? He's going to get the transition tag this offseason, which I think nah. gets, the, gets the Steelers back something if he signs somewhere else. Uh, it, it does, depending on what level transition. But realistically, yeah. they're just going to get a third-round compensatory pick off of him anyways. Yeah. So why even go through the drama of it? I don't get it. So here's, a headache. <laughs> here's my question. He was supposed to make about $15 million this year. He didn't make it. Do you think he gets at least double that $30 million guaranteed on his next contract? Guaranteed? Guaranteed. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to okay. say yes. I think so, too. We both agree, but let's just go ahead and say that um, Ray disagreed with this us on this one, so he is wrong Correct. yet again. Thanks, Ray. We appreciate your playing. That brings us to our next topic. Right now, there's a little bit of rumors in the wind of Bruce Arians being interested in the Cleveland Browns job. Ray, what would you think of that hire? Well, since Ray didn't step in, I'll go ahead and step in and answer this one. Um, <laughs> I think it's funny because Bruce Arian said that, uh, you know, the only job he would come back for in the NFL right now is the head coaching job for the, the Cleveland Browns, which is kind of surprising to anybody. anybody. I mean, Dear God, how have yeah. times changed? <laughs> exactly. So, I, seriously, when you say that, you're like, wait, what? Did you say Cleveland Browns? You know? Um, but – I think it actually if the I think the Browns should and I think it's it would be smart because look the Browns invest shocked the world and invested a number one draft pick on Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield has shown talent, he's shown skill. I'm not sure how great he's gonna be, but he's definitely shown talent. He's put up some big plays. But he struggled as well as rookies do quarterbacks do. Bruce Arian is the quarterback whisperer. Like, if people talk about quarterback whisperers, you know, like Andy Reid and Dirk Cotter for some reason, but Adam Gase, but Bruce Arians really is. Where this guy goes, quarterbacks perform, and it's his system. He gives them the opportunity. Downfield deep passes, you know, using the running backs out of the backfield. So I think that if they go get Bruce Arians, it could only severely increase the likelihood of Baker Mayfield succeeding and getting him into a system that's going to help him succeed and be, become a better quarterback. 
Yeah, and I can understand that. Right now, I think that Baker Mayfield needs development at the NFL level. I mean, right now, he has Freddie Kitchens running that offense. He is a former Arians disciple. He was with him in the Arizona Cardinals. Um, He was a running backs coach for a time and a quarterbacks coach at the time. But he's never been an offensive coordinator before. I'm sorry. Um, Greg the Bounty Hunter shouldn't be a head coach in the NFL. I think they need to get rid of Greg Williams. Maybe let him stay for that defense. Um, but I'm going in a different direction than Bruce Arians. I think Bruce Arians would be a great hire, but I think there is one better hire out there, and I think there is one very specific reason that you're not saying his name. You better you better shut your mouth. Man. I'm not shutting my mouth because <laughs> I think that Lincoln Riley Hey, hey would stay be away stay away from the Cowboys future head coach. Exactly. Well, Jason Garrett's gonna sign a contract. That's why uh, the Eagles let the Cowboys win this past week. Don't you but, put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. But Lincoln Riley needs to team back up with Baker Mayfield. Uh, I mean it's a match made in head of Kevin, he's an innovative head coach. And if nothing else, Lincoln Riley, I know you're not listening to this. You should, <laughs> but I know you're not. Placated and play to be interested in the Browns and Cowboys and just drive up your salary. Right. If nothing else. But I think that Lincoln Riley is the perfect fit for the Browns. They need an innovative offense. They need a guy to guide Baker. And who's better than that than the guy who helped him win a Heisman Trophy? No, that's that's a good point. Lincoln Riley would be a good, very good fit in Cleveland. I don't want to see it happen because I yeah. do want him to come to Dallas. If it, he doesn't, we can always go get John DeFilippo, which would be awesome. That would be he'd be a great head coach too. I, yeah. I really do believe that. I that'd be a little bit of salt in your wounds. So we'll um, we'll, really we'll get to like my thoughts one. on NFL coaching hires in a, a <laughs> bit. But yeah, I think Lincoln Riley. I think Arians would be a good backup choice though. Um, I'd like to see the Kangol hats in interviews again. Yeah, I, 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 I just think that you're right in the fact that, you know, he's already coached him. You know, he's already done well with him. Um, he's obviously succeeded with him uh, and on an individual level, and um, they, they played really great together. So it's uh, – yeah, that's a, that's a really good match. I just hope it doesn't happen, to, if I'm being honest. No, I get that. You're just being selfish. You're, you're not oh, thinking abs- – completely You're not selfish. thinking of the greater good. Yeah. It's okay. I'm thinking so. of the Cowboys greater good, so that's that's fine. I am too, Jason Garrett for life. Oh, oh man. So terrible. So that brings us up to one of our favorite parts of the podcast. The confessional. First up on the confessional this evening, Joseph Massey. Guys, um, just a couple weeks ago, I did a confessional about the Carolina Panthers being a lot better than I thought they were, how Cam Newton was playing a lot better than I thought he was, and, you know, their defense was playing good. So, you know, I broke down and did this whole confessional and apologized for, you know, doubting the Panthers a little bit. And then they go and they lay an egg against the Steelers and get embarrassed on Thursday night football. Embarrassed by Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm here to say sorry for my confessional on the Panthers before. 
because they're falling. They're going to go right back to where I thought they were. I'm sorry for apologizing for that. They were horrible on Thursday night. And I'm going to go back to my original opinion. I'm sorry for switching so quickly. I apologize. Huh. I kind of like this because I think you're going to have a trilogy with this apology. <laughs> I, I think there's going to be one more when they're good again and they're making noise in the playoffs. And you're going to have to come up with another confessional because I think Thursday night games can be a fluke at times. We've all seen crazy things happen on Thursday night, and I think that was just one of them. I don't think the Steelers are that good, and I don't think the Panthers are that bad. Speaking of bad football teams, though, John Hallbar and the Baltimore Ravens took an entire bye week off last week. Was this a good move or a bad move by the Ravens, Massey? I'm really conflicted on this one just because – at first, when I first heard about it, I was like, man, that's a terrible decision. How are you going to take an entire bye week off? And then I thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, you know what? They, were playing re- they weren't playing that great. You know, maybe they, Harbaugh just thought, you know, they, they were struggling and they needed some time off to clear their minds and everything like that. But then it went back to looking at teams that take the bye week have the bye week in the playoffs and how often they're upset by inferior opponents, in my opinion. And I think it, the people are rusty. Look at the Cowboys in 2016. They had that bye week. They came out against the Packers and they were completely flat in the first, the first half. And they had to rally to try to come back, but they ended up losing it. Look at the Rams who benched their players towards the end of last exactly. year. And came out flat against the Falcons. And I honestly think it does that when you, you, you know, you're building yourself up and you're getting, and that's why the first couple games in the, in the NFL season, the first week or two is kind of like extended preseason, you know, because teams are still getting used to it, you know? And so I honestly think it's a bad idea because I think they're going to come out rusty this week and it's not a good week to come out rusty. Um, so I think it's a, it's a, very poor uh, decision on on John Harbaugh's uh, by John Harbaugh. They have a very important division game against the Bengals this week, so I'm going to go with bad idea. I think it's a bad idea as well, um, and not even because of that. Reports are right now that Joe Flacco is having some hip issues, and he may not be able to go this week. And they're looking at either starting RG3, which I think we've seen enough of that guy. Mm -hmm. We know what he is at this point. Or Lamar Jackson, who hasn't been very NFL ready. No. So my question is, if you have to start your possible rookie quarterback, which they might, why not get him extra snaps with the first team? since he hasn't been doing it all season. Why not give him that time to work with the ones while Flacco's out? You know what? Even if you're going to start Flacco, which is fine if that's what you want to do, you're going to tie your hopes to that man. Why not at least see what Lamar Jackson has in practice during the week while Flacco's resting his hip and see what he looks like with the ones? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great, that's a great point. 
you look at it and they're saying they're hopeful Flacco can play, which I that's why I think they're actually gonna Flacco's actually gonna play. Because even like when you're a number two, like outside of training camp, the season started and it's going, it's all the number it's all the number one quarterback getting almost all the snaps. You maybe get one, maybe two series if you're lucky in a pra- in, a, in a week, you know, and like so you're not getting any snaps as the number two. You're barely getting anything. You're not running with the number ones at all. So you're not having you're not building that camaraderie with them at all. So it would be an extremely, extremely poor decision to start Lamar Jackson this week coming off a bye when you didn't even practice. Which, which, which I think is why – I think Flacco's probably going to start. But it, let's say it, he gets injured. Let's say he's, if he, he's playing a hurt. And he he's already hurt. hurt. He, Flacco's not the most stable quarterback. Yeah. I and get so that. It's a huge, and, that's a huge red flag. And I know you're not a huge Lamar Jackson guy. You, you touted all during the preseason that Flacco's going to be back. Flacco's going to be good. You put a lot of money on the Flacco bus. Even with all of your predictions from this preseason, if you had been the coach, would you have at least looked at Lamar Jackson during the bye week just to see what he had at this point? Oh, absolutely. I would have given Flacco the week off and let Lamar Jackson go at it for a week just in case. You know, and I think if I think if Flacco can't go or if Flacco gets hurt mid-game, honestly, they're going to put in – I would put in RG3 just because he's ran NFL offenses in an actual game before. But let's say they, like, they don't want to go that route and they go – they don't want to carry three quarterbacks into a game, which teams rarely ever do. Um, so they go the route of uh, Lamar Jackson. I don't think you're going to get a lot of passing plays. I think you're going to get a ton of read option running the ball you know, handing the ball off to Alex Collins or who they use Buck Allen for some reason and the, or Lamar Jackson just skirting around. I don't think you're going to – I don't think they're going to put the ball in his hands to go out. And if they're behind, they're going to be in trouble because they have to put the ball in his hands to throw to win the game. They're going to be in a lot of trouble. Absolutely. And that, that, that Bengals team is coming off an embarrassing loss. Mm-hmm. They're looking to right the ship. And they still have a solid – front seven on that team yeah and their rookie safety jesse bates has been playing amazing lately he absolutely has so speaking of dumb coaching decisions what coach needs to be fired the most right now in the nfl you might think i'm gonna say jason garrett but i'm not gonna say jason garrett if he had but lost I'm, on Sunday, would you have said Jason Garrett? Well, I think Jason Garrett needs to be fired, but I'm not going to say most. And even if he lost on Sunday, I wouldn't say that he needs to be fired the most because the coach that needs to be fired the most is actually under Jason Garrett, and his name is Scott Linehan. Scott Linehan is terrible, a terrible coach, a terrible offensive coordinator. He has limited this offense so much last at the end of last year and this year that it makes me question how much really is on Dak and how much is just just horrible playback. Even when they got, they, I know they scored twenty seven against Philly, and Philly had, but Philly had banged up secondary. Philly, yeah, I mean, Philly second, they're depleted. Philly second best corner and third best corner were out to start the game, and then in their first quarter, 
their best cornerback, and I know we've thrown a lot of shade at Darby, but going into the game, he's ranked 22nd out of 108 cornerbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. He hasn't had that bad of a season. Yeah. He missed the game. So Philly was missing their top three cornerbacks. Yeah. And, Your and, passing and, game's going to look good against that. I'm terrified of Drew B's on Sunday. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So they, we put 27 points, but he still struggled in the red zone. And it's his play calling. His play calling is awful in the red zone. He tries to run these cute, quick play, these cute plays to try to trick people in the red zone, which is very difficult to do. And he's got one of the he's got one of the best running backs and one of the best running backs at finding the end zone, and he doesn't utilize him. It's insane. He is the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL, the worst one I've seen in a long time, and he is the coach that needs to be fired the most. Absolutely. I would literally take Jason Garrett's play calling just to get Scott Linehan fired. Hmm. If I were to ask you what head coach needs to be fired most, would you have gone Garrett or a different direction? Now that Hughes fired... Yeah, can, I say the... John, can I say John Gruden? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ten Good. years. Who, right? who would you rather be right now, Mark <laughs> yeah. Davis with John Gruden or Jerry Jones stuck with Jason Garrett? I would rather be J- Jerry Jones because I can, dump, I can dump Garrett at the end of this year and not have to pay him $100 million. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you there. Um, I actually think that the head coach that needs to be fired most, I was torn between two, um, Brock Love, Jamin Allen, Chris mm. Rendor. <laughs> You guys are safe with Mike McCarthy. I don't think he needs to be fired the most. I think he needs to be fired the second most. You are killing Aaron Rodgers' prime oh, so of his career. You're robbing us of this great quarterback. How pissed off do you think Rodgers is watching McVay or, watch, oh. or watching Doug Peterson? I'll throw it to my guy. Or, you know – watching Andy Reid in Kansas City or watching Sean Payton in New Orleans and then being stuck or with Frank Mike Reich. McCarthy. Or Frank Reich reviving Andrew Luck's career. And he has because instead of going long bombs, he's done quick throws. Mm-hmm. He has really changed. He's a great guy, great coach. Give him that. John Filippo. there's so many great offensive minds out there. And Aaron Rodgers is stuck with a guy who doesn't realize that Aaron Jones is the best running back on the team. Oh, wait, right. he finally did last week. My bad. Everyone else has known it for weeks. But Mike McCarthy, horrible. But yeah. the coach that needs to be fired the most is Todd Bowles. Oh, yeah. Of the New York Jets. Yeah, that's getting bad out there. I know we both gave him another year at the beginning of the year, but I think it's time. Yeah, it is definitely tr- time. 100%. Because you draft it. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold looked pretty good in his first game. And then everything after that has looked abysmal. They gave up a first-round pick and three second-round draft picks to go after Sam Darnold. If you are convinced that is your quarterback of the future, I don't mind that trade. But if you're convinced you have a quarterback of the future – you don't do that trade and get him under a defensive head coach and then give him Jeremy fucking Bates as his offensive coordinator. Yeah. What has that guy no, ever done issues. in the NFL? He had, what, one season as a head offensive coordinator for the Broncos in 2008? 
The guy does not have a good career as OC. He's yeah, not that, innovative. Think... They're running a very vanilla offense, and they're mm-hmm. not grooming this QB. Yeah, I think that's the issue more than Sam Darnold. I like Sam Darnold. I like his potential. I like his talent. But the problem is, is he has really bad coaching, similar to Dak Prescott in Dallas. Really bad coaching. Well, it's worse. It's not, worse. It's worse. But not only are – I mean, the play calling's really bad too in there, and they're not grooming him. They're not teaching him how to be a better quarterback. But on top of that, who who's there? What weapon does Sam Darnold have to, to, have to utilize – in New York right now, his his number one wide receiver is Robbie Anderson. I mean, his running back, his best running back is Isaiah Crowell. Like oh, he has, he has no weapons. He has nothing around not. him. I, I and, mean, look at Mitch Trubisky. They got rid of John Fox, and you know, not to be all over the Bears right now, but Trubisky's actually looked pretty good the last few games. He does. He has. He's putting up numbers. I mean, he's still a guy where. He has to, like, his play calling, you know, he gets the play in and then he has to throw to the tight end no matter what because that's the play call. And if he can't throw the tight end, he's kind of screwed because he has to think and then he just runs. But his running has been solid. His playmaking decision outside of his first look haven't. But they put weapons around him. They put a great offensive mind around him. Nagy, I like what he's doing with that offense. And you're Mm -hmm. seeing that team blossom. The Jets need to do that. They need to they put really some do. weapons around Darnold, and they need to give an, him an offensive head coach. Right now, the NFL has no defense. Every passing record seems like it's going to be shattered this year. Every scoring record, too. If you're mm-hmm. out there and you're hiring your defensive head coach, you're doing a disservice to your franchise. Just go grab whatever quarterback's coach they have in Kansas City, or Los Angeles right now and give them a head coaching job and see. Yeah, I know, I know it's throwing spaghetti on a wall right now, but look at the guys who have been working out. Of course, one of them won't work out, but take the shot. I, I mean, yeah, or go to college and get one of those innovative college just, uh, quarterback, yeah, uh, college do that. that are, That's what I crazy Going systems. out to sign Steve Wilkes for Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a bad. And then decision. bring in Mike McCoy to run the offense. Who got fired after five, six games. Yeah, I mean he he didn't even use David Johnson. Like he, it, yeah. it was well, like yeah, he, he had a cheat code for his court, rookie quarterback, and he wasn't even tapping into it. Yeah, remember what I said in the beginning of the year, like when when da- uh, Ray was going on about David Johnson, his catching ability. I said, look, they got Steve Wilkes, who's a defensive coordinator, as a head coach now. And they brought in Mike McCoy. They're not going to be throwing him the ball like Bruce Arian was. He's going to take a massive hit, and he has. He has in his production. They weren't using him. They've start, they started using him a little bit more now that McCoy's gone. But, like, in the beginning of the year, it was really bad. So, well, Flockers, as you may or may not have noticed, we unfortunately did not have a podcast last week. We took a little bye week. And last week we had a question of how much will Des Bryant affect the New Orleans Saints offense? So, obviously we can't ask that question anymore, so we're just going to change it up and go with, how much do you think Brandon Marshall is going to affect that New Orleans Saints offense? Massey? Honestly, I don't, like, I don't think he's going to make that big of an impact. Like, 
Brandon Marshall was a very good to great player five years ago. You know, I mean, he's, you know, even, even shorter than that, he had some really good years. But he's, he's older now. He's, he hasn't been able to do anything in quite some time. And I know it's Drew Brees with him. Like, I was excited for what Des Bryant could do with a quarterback like Drew Brees. I was too, but, actually. Yeah, I just don't think that Brandon Marshall has that kind of play in him anymore. He's not young. He's he's older than Des Bryant, so I don't think he can get it done. I, I I mean, he might be a possession receiver and catch a third down catch every once in a while, maybe a couple touchdowns. Maybe they're going to use him as a red zone target because of his size. I just, I mean, honestly, this guy hasn't had a thousand yards since two thousand fifteen. So, yeah, and I don't think it's about getting a thousand yards oh, no, out of him by not. any means. I mean, right now, Michael Thomas is catching 38% of their passes, which is mm-hmm. way too high of a rate to sustain. Um, their second leading receiver, not running back, I'm not counting Kamara, but their second leading receiver is Ted Ginn, who's currently on IR and hasn't played in several weeks. So they need to be they need a little less one dynamic on the offense. If nothing else, I like Marshall's chances to go get a jump ball in the end zone. He's still tall. He can still use his body. He can still jump. And even if that's all he is at this point, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, for the year in Seattle, I mean, he has 136 yards. He does have a touchdown. His catch rate is 47%, so he's not catching a lot of the passes. Um, I just I just don't know how big of an impact he's going to be. You know, I think he can make some plays here and there. I just don't think he's going – I know what they're bringing. They're bringing him in for to get a little bit of production out of the other wide receiver, outside wide receiver spot, maybe take a little heat off of Thomas and the running backs. I just don't think he's enough of a threat to do it. And I don't think Drew Brees really necessarily needs that. But I don't – because obviously they're playing great. I just don't think Brandon Marshall is going to scare anybody right now. No, and I don't either. But um, Kamara and Thomas and even maybe Ingram scare me a little bit on that team. Absolutely. It's not like they need another monster on that team to strike fear into the hearts of children all over America. (laughs) They, They have enough monsters. Right. So, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to my time on the confessional. And my confessional is on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, before the season, I had the Philadelphia Eagles as one of the deepest rosters in the NFL. I still believe they are one of the deepest rosters on the NFL, albeit a bit injured. Um, I didn't listen to my good friend, Joseph Massey, when he said that their Mm -hmm. secondary was not what it was going to be, and he was 100% right. I didn't see all the injuries to it. Rodney McLeod being out, Darby being out for times, Mills. I mean, Russell Douglas being your number one cornerback for a game is not a good thing. Um, But at the end of the day, this is not a Super Bowl team, and realistically, by the looks of it, this is not a playoff team. Um, but you know what? 
the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles still sounds pretty damn good to me. We could go 0-16 for the next decade, and it would be worth it. (laughs) I have no regrets about the Eagles. I confess nothing. I'm very happy with my team, and always will be. And if you have a problem with my confessional, we're from Philly, fucking Philly. No one likes (laughs) us. We don't care. Thank you, Joseph, Jason Kelsey. Yeah, no one likes you guys. (laughs) I'm used to not being liked. You're fine. So, topic number six. And this is when we missed Ray Stone the most because he was Mm going to be wrong on this topic because I know where the man stands. But was drafting Barkley number two overall a mistake for the New York football giants? The answer is absolutely. Absolutely. You see how much they're struggling right now. You see how bad their offense is despite the unbelievable amount of weapons they have on that team with Odell Beckham, Shepard, and Evan Ingram, and now Barkley. You they, That's an amazing – imagine a quarterback. Like, give that, give that to Carson Wentz. Give that to – Aaron Rodgers, give that to Drew Brees, and you got a Super Bowl caliber team right there without even a great defense, you know. So it's so bad that Barkley is playing unbelievable, but they have two wins. Drafting Barkley is not translating to wins at all. Zeke was drafted high, and Zeke immediately translated that to wins with the Dallas Cowboys. Barkley is not able to do that because one they don't have the team around him and two they don't have a quarterback at all they have a quarterback that is awful they have an offensive line that is terrible and I think that's the biggest difference between Zeke and Barkley at this early stages of their career both phenomenal talents Zeke mm -hmm. is the top three running back in the NFL I'll say that no problem Zeke came in behind a phenomenal offensive line. Now, that offensive line isn't as good as it was, but the Giants have an abysmal offensive line right now. They just cut one of their two big free agency signings at offensive guard from the offseason. I mean, they don't have that O-line, and that's what's making Barkley, who's always been a boomer bust guy, seems like negative two yards here, negative yard here, 50 yards there with him oh yeah that's exactly what he is he's you know you're gonna get like it's reminiscence of barry sanders but even bigger you know he's he's getting he's getting a uh, negative 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 30 yard game and you're like oh he's doing well because he has five carries for 40 yards well yeah well 34 of them came on one run you know so it's 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 give and take with him but the offensive line is really the issue there. And they had a chance to draft. And I get drafting the best player available. Well, guess what? Barkley wasn't the best player available, in my opinion. And the best player available was actually a huge need on that team. And that was Quentin Nelson was available there. They could have drafted Quentin Nelson. Who has who, been a monster for the uh, Colts. He's a mo- Quentin Nelson. Oh, like my every- God. Did you see his head, block, head block, oh. block on Sunday? 
It was insane. Like, honestly, like every person that I read and looked into talking about Quentin Nelson going into the draft were saying, like, this guy's a future Hall of Famer. Like, they were saying that pre-draft. And he's lived up to the hype. He was the best player in the draft this year by a large margin, in my opinion. And that was like their biggest need is offensive line. They could have drafted him. Like, that would have helped their team out a lot. You know, you know what they should have done? Go Quentin Nelson in the first round, and you go Will Hernandez in the second round, and now you have solidified so much of your offensive line that Eli Manning might have time to throw the ball and complete a pass. Oh, no. Absolutely, I agree with you. Or you know what you do? You go ahead and draft Josh Allen. You draft Sam Darnold. Because the Giants, to me, did a solid coaching hire. I think that Bat Shermer, you know, let's ignore anything he ever did with the Browns because that's not fair to hold against them. We haven't held it against any other Browns head coach ever, so we can't hold it against <laughs> him. Um, but he's a good offensive mind. The Vikings had a phenomenal mm-hmm. offense last year. He made Case Keenum look great, which he's looking like shit for the Denver Broncos because it's a bad team and a bad yep. franchise, and they have bad fans. Um, Ray, I hope you're <laughs> enjoying editing this one. Thank you, buddy. We yeah. appreciate it. Uh, but I think Pat Shermer is a good, a good potential NFL coach. If nothing else, he's a good offensive mind. I think that if you would have given him a rookie QB, he could have developed him. Instead, you're going to give him a rookie QB who's going to be a top five NFL pick next year. And guess what? You've already paid Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley's already one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL. He's going to be paid even more next year. It'll be nice mm-hmm. for that rookie to come into that system, but I think you should have gotten the rookie first. Yeah, and you know what? This, dra- this upcoming draft is horrible with quarterbacks. It's a very, very weak uh, quarterback class. So they're going to have a high pick again. And you know what? They're probably going to be forced to take a quarterback in this coming up draft and it's not a very good draft. And then it's going to be a wasted high pick, in my opinion. Well, you know what, Massey? I, I, I don't know if you're drinking right now. I, you might hear my bourbon in the background. But I'm going to raise my glass to my fellow's NFC East fan. Massey, uh-huh. cheers to the Giants making a shitty quarterback pick next NFL Absol- draft. Absolutely. Absolutely. Please draft a quarterback in the next NFL draft. Love it. Very high. Get a horrible very quarterback. That, you know yep. what? Trade up to get one. Mm-hmm. Trade up to get one. I'm fine absolutely and bringing no O line help to protect them. Yeah. So Barkley can do it. Yeah, Bar- Barkley can play O line. Well, that is it on our six pack of questions tonight. We have one final segment, as always. So Joseph Massey, what you talking about? What I'm talking about is what a lot of people are talking about right now. And that's the issue that happened with the Chiefs-Rams game that was supposed to be played in Mexico City that is now being moved back to L.A. because of how horrible the field conditions were in Mexico. And the player, it was so bad that the players of the Chiefs and Rams were actually saying that they were going to hold out and not refuse to play in the game because they wouldn't want to risk injury on how bad of the field condition was. It was worse than FedEx field which is known to be a terrible field with terrible fans and a terrible football team. (laughs) There you go. So like it it was really bad situations. The NFL had to step in and the NFL had to say, Hey, you know what? We're going to move it 
and we're going to move uh, the game back to L.A. And it just leads me to say, why do they continue to schedule games at this stadium? They've had issues in the past. Players have complained in the past. It's one, it's at a very high altitude, and the players complain about the air, the, the altitude and the thin air. And they if I may, not to step on your toes here, but I love that point. Both franchises are innovative franchises, not just offenses, mm-hmm. but they're innovative franchises. Both teams requested the NFL schedule makers to let them play the Denver Broncos the week before this. Yeah, so they, they can, can get, get used, used to the air to quality. Altitude. Yeah. And yeah, and it's a high altitude. And then two, players also complain about the air quality there. It's not just how the altitude, but the air quality, the pollution there is really bad. So not only are you getting thin air, but you're getting poor thin air. So it's really bad. Then you add into, if you look at past games, last the last time they played there, I believe, there was multiple incidences of the fans using lasers to point in the eyes of the quarterbacks and the kickers while they're playing. And I'm sorry, I don't understand why the NFL decides to keep going to Mexico City to play these games. It, money. They need their money. Yeah. But they need to stop it. Player safety is more important. But just stop it. Don't schedule any more games in, the, in Mexico City. Matt, what you talking about? What I am talking about is there has been a lot of love going around to John Gruden for his Mari Cooper heist to the Dallas Cowboys for a first-round pick. Everyone is calling John Gruden a genius now because he has three first-round picks, and he can do anything he wants in this draft. Derek Carr is not his quarterback. He can get out of that for only $12 million, and he can go get any quarterback in the draft he wants. So I'm going to read to you some John Gruden quotes on the great quarterback draft class of 2017, the draft class that had Mitch Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. He said, I'm going to blur out the guy's name, but he said he is ready to walk in and be a contributor from day one. He just looks like a pro quarterback coming out of the huddle, running an offense, different formations, shifting, motioning, different patterns, and all other colleges don't run. He will recognize route combinations and associate formations. Most importantly, he will be able to get into a huddle from day one and look 10 grown men in the eye and tell them where to go and what to do and handle a versatile snap. He is sharp. He's in the channel. When I think of success, I think of him. He's going to be a real good professional quarterback in this league. Ladies and gentlemen, John Gruden was talking about Nathan Peterman. Mm. He nailed that one right on oh, the Oh, man. One of the worst quarterbacks of all time. No, no, no. Not one. No, no, not one. The worst quarterback. Yeah, yeah the of worst. All time. I mean, not to pile on the guy who just got cut by the Bills. He was like a fourth, fifth round draft pick. He wasn't expected to be good. He wasn't expected to be ready. But if that is John Gruden's assessment, when you have Mahomes and Watson and even Mitch Trubisky in the same draft, Raiders fans, you guys are in trouble. You don't want this man handling your draft. I live in Tampa. I know what happened with his drafts in Tampa. They were hot garbage. 
They got him run out of town and fired. He won a Super Bowl because he had a great defense and he knew the offensive playbook of the team he played against. Let me tell you the greatest stat about Nathan Peterman I've ever heard. Did you know that Aaron Rodgers could throw 1,240 consecutive interceptions on 1,240 straight pass attempts and still have a better career TD to INT ratio. He could throw, he could throw 100, 1,240 straight passes and they all are intercepted and his career touchdown to interception ratio would still be better than Nathan uh, Peterman. That's how bad Nathan Peterman has been. But don't worry, Razors fans. John Gruden has your draft, and he thinks, Pete, hey, Peterman's a free agent. Why does he need to draft a QB? He can just go sign him. Seriously. He's the most <laughs> pro-ready guy. Well, Mother Flaggers, that is it for another edition of the Flock NFL Podcast. Ray Stone, we missed you dearly tonight. We'll catch up with you soon. If you can't be in next week, we're going to call an audible and get a special guest host Flockers, if you're interested in that spot, please contact us. Let us know. Massey, where can they find us at online? Uh, you can always find us on Facebook at the Flock NFL Facebook page. That's the group where we interact with everybody. We talk about the podcast. We talk about different issues. People ask questions. It's a really great page to get involved in. You can find us on Twitter at Flock NFL Podcast. And you can find us on listen to us on all the major podcast listening apps. Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Spotify, Pocket Cast, it, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, you can, you can probably find it. You can find us on there. So please like us, rate us, share us, tell everybody about us. We just try to try to help us grow this and uh, make it as enjoyable for everybody. Remember, it's for the fans, by the fans, and the more fans we get, the better this podcast would be. So with that, I bid you adieu. Joseph Massey, say goodnight. Deuces, flockers. Peace out, motherfuckers!